Welcome to the Addiction Solution Podcast. I'm Michelle Dunbar. Mark Sharon and I will be talking today about what it looks like to move on from an addiction. We wrote the Freedom Model for Addictions, Escape the Treatment and Recovery Trap, and the Freedom Model for the Family to help people to learn how they can overcome addiction and move on with their lives. We offer an incredible opportunity to work with us directly in private one-on-one classes. You can do that over Zoom in our private instruction program, or we have a beautiful, relaxing retreat you can come to and spend a few weeks with us. You can learn about all of our products at thefreedommodel.org, or you can call us at 888-424-2626. All right, can people move completely past an addiction? It's as if the problem never existed. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I I was just in class here at the retreat with somebody, and um, Michelle asked me, you know, what's what's the topic for today's podcast? And I said, let's let's talk about moving on from an addiction. And there's a thing we do in at the retreat. It's not in the current edition of the Freedom Model in the book, um, and it's called Life Movements. And we've mentioned it in several other podcasts. But basically, it's it's for people that come here to the retreat. A lot of them um, are basically at a standstill in their life. They're in a they, rut. Yeah, they're in a rut. Mm-hmm. And and some some of those ruts can be deep and painful. Oh, yeah. And the people the people become very lost. You know, we've all been there. And and just about every human being gets there at some point in their life. Um, uh, it's just with with an addiction, it seems like those ruts get pretty deep, and then people get sucked into recovery. Yes. Um, or the addiction itself, and that becomes part and parcel of the rut. Recovery becomes just as damaging and as self-limiting uh, as as the addiction itself. So here's something that's interesting. Um, so I was explaining this to the guest, and the first portion of life movements is you make a list of everything that was important to you Um, or brought you happiness or was significant in your life from your first memories to your present. Now, mind you, when a guest is with us, they've just usually come off a huge bender. And in some cases, their their quote-unquote addiction has been the last 20, 30 years in some cases. So they look at me funny and they say, well, there hasn't been much that's been good because I've been totally blitzed for the last 30 years. And and I said, well, give it a shot. You know, go through and try to remember. And then I give them some examples from my past. Uh, early childhood, teen years, 20s, 30s. And and then they go, oh, I, I do remember a couple of things. And, and then almost invariably, they come back with a list. And the person <clears throat> is in a really good mood. Right. This always happens. And they, go, they sit down and they go, um... I had a I had more than a page of stuff. I was really surprised, and and I go I'm not surprised. I've been doing this for thirty years, and pe- people have long lives, and um, but they became so focused on the hell stew of recovery, treatment, and addiction. This, this and what's wrong with them? Yes, because when you go to treatment, you're focusing on everything that's wrong. And you're told you're broken, and you're told that it's never going to be any better. Yeah, and and I call that hell stew. Just imagine that you have a pot filled with dirty water, and you add the ingredients of rehab, then you add the ingredient of recovery, which isn't much better than rehab, 
and then you add in a little addiction and you stir the pot mm -hmm. and what do you get? You get a cycle and the cycle is you're an addict, you'll never be okay, that's what you learn in rehab, and you need to be stuffed into recovery, which yeah. is this uh, imaginary world where you're supposed to avoid all triggers and, um, and you'll always crave. So you can't have triggers, which are the unavoidable things like stress, trauma, and anxiety, which you can't avoid completely. It's just not possible. Yeah. And you're supposed to avoid all those things or you're going to relapse. Then you relapse because you had a trauma, you experienced anxiety, or you were depressed. And you're told that nothing will ever make you feel as good. And oh yeah, that's what I was getting to. <laughs> so here we go. So now you're told this incredible lie. Yeah. It's probably the greatest lie ever told in recovery. It's a you know what? That's what we're going to call this podcast, The Greatest Lie Told in Recovery. Oh, yes. Okay. Okay. Yep. The Greatest Lie Told in Recovery. And that is that addiction or your drug of choice has hijacked your brain and you will never feel the happiness that you could feel on that drug. Well, good God, if you want to go directly against human nature and what motivates a human being, which is the, the ideas of happiness in the future, um, just tell somebody that they'll never be happy again. And I yeah, guarantee- Yeah, they'll never feel as good as they felt when they were high. Yeah, you want to demotivate somebody? Mm -hmm. That's what you do. You tell them that. And then what you're going to do, and this is why recovery leads back to addiction, that, then what you're doing when you tell people that recovery is the shit storm and it's so miserable and that drugs are the only thing that can ever make you happy is you build up the drug. Yes. So human nature then kicks in, human motivation for positive experience kicks in and the person goes, oh, so the only thing that really I'm ever going to like is getting fucked up. Yeah. So you just made the drug look much more attractive. Yep. And then, then you dip back into the little pot of hell stew. Your life gets a little... Uh, smaller, more self-limiting, and you get lost even deeper in that pot of hell stew. I mean, I want you to think about it for a minute. You're told that this drug feels great. It empirically is pleasurable, right? Which is not true. But you're told, and, and, and you got hooked because it's empirically pleasurable, but you're a bad person for getting hooked. You're, you're told that the drug is your medication, you're self-medicating for your underlying trauma and all of these things. So, which leads you to believe that it actually works for those things. Right. So the so the the treatment program is telling you, yeah, you were self-medicating for those things, but you can't have it. Right, and and that life, and now because you don't have your medicine, you have to avoid the triggers, the diseases of your life. The triggers are just another word for these diseases, right? Because because your medicine for the diseases of trauma, stress, stress, and um, you know, all around the shitstorm that life is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And now you have to go without your medicine. Yeah. And 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 doesn't that sound so fun? So fun. So fun. Oh, and you'll never feel the 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 incredible feelings you felt with your drug. So you have to go with a life that's just boring and mundane and worse and off, miserable and tortured. Because now your brain chemistry oh, right, is conspiring against it. you. Yes. All the time. Which is also a lie. So so there's all these lies that you're being told um, and it keeps you trapped. Yes. It keeps you in a cycle between addiction, treatment, recovery, relapse, treatment, 
addiction, right? You know, and it just keeps going and going and then you die. That's what happens. Yeah, People so slowly nice. get immersed into this recovery nonsense and they, they and slowly, they die young. yeah. So not everybody dies. A lot of people reject it, come to the reality that, uh, of what I'm about to tell you. So in the freedom model, we short circuit that whole ridiculous hell stew pot. We pull the person out of the pot and we, sh- we say, we need you to discover on your own terms what makes you happy. Now, when I say that to a guest, invariably they go, Mark, I don't know anymore. Right. And you know what? That's true. It is In a true. lot of cases, they really don't know. I didn't know either. I didn't know. So, because you've been in the pot so long, mm-hmm. right? Just simmering, miserable. And so, especially if you have a habit that goes out a decade or more, you know, you're, you're just, you can get really incredibly lost. So, we do this list of the past because when I'm working with somebody, I need to understand the baseline of what is true. What do you actually find pleasurable? What do you actually find exciting outside the realm of drugs and alcohol? And so they write this list down. They usually come back excited as hell. They're just they're just beaming. And then they rattle off 10 to 30 items. They go, oh, I remember when I was a kid, my family was together and we went on a vacation and it and my parents were getting along. And, you know, that wasn't very often, but it was magical. And 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 then they say, and then, oh, and my my mom taught me to drive stick because I wanted to know how to drive stick and and uh, I had power over the car and I remember feeling so free. And then they talked about, you know, I got the highest grades in class. I got a 4.0 and I felt so smart. And I went to college and I got accepted to this D1 school and got a full scholarship for football. Now, everything I'm mentioning are items of several guests over the last 10 years, right? These are, and, and some of these items are mine. I remember the, the smell of fresh cut grass at a barbecue at my house with charcoal barbecue. And I remembered that my family went to that barbecue and went to Grafton, was the park, mm-hmm. and it had a lake in New York, upstate New York. And we would go every weekend all through the summer. And that's when my family was together. And the best memories of my life. And I was five years old. And now to this day, I don't use a gas grill. I use a charcoal grill so I can remember that. Um, so there's all these little stories. <clears throat> and there's And now, after 30 years, I've heard literally tens, maybe 100,000 of these lists, right? right? All these tiny little things that make people happy. Now, within that list, there are what I call threads or themes. There are things that repeat themselves over and over again, which becomes an indicator of what that person actually likes. Now, they do this list in less than probably two hours' time. In two hours' time... They're provided hope, a path out of addiction, out of recovery, out of this whole mess, this self-limiting health stew, because for the first time they look at their life and they go, oh my God, there was all this good stuff in my life. Even people who grew up rough like I did have these lists. That That there's always, you always find ways, humans are amazing at that, that you can always find ways to be happy. Yeah. You know, and 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 we did when we were young. When you're young and innocent, that's very like that's what you look at. Like, you know, I had a I had a 
pretty difficult childhood too, but I also had a lot of those memories that are like, oh yeah, I really like to do that, and I really like to do that, and that's that's when I felt the best about myself. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you can see those things, but even young when I was got really deep into substance use, I had forgotten a lot of that stuff. Yeah, well, that's exactly the point. So you do, you forget it, and you get caught in this hell stew, this little pot, and your life becomes incredibly small, right? And it becomes all about this recovery charade, this construct, this cage. We talk about the recovery cage. You climb into the cage, and you're looking at all these people that have great lives outside the cage, and you think, I can't have that because I'm in recovery. You know, I have to self-limit myself. I can't have the privilege of being angry. I can't have the privilege of being jealous or having any negative emotions because if I do, I'll relapse. That's fucking bullshit. I can't fall in love. Yes. I can't fall in love in the first year. I can't build a relationship. I can't start a new job or go back to college. I was told those things. Yes. You know, And, and here's the thing. When you're in that cage, your life is still revolving around the substance. That's right. You, they, I've, know, I've met people with 25 years sobriety who are going to meetings every day still talking about what they did 25 years ago, 26 years ago. And, it, and I can remember thinking, oh, that is not going to be me. That's right. There's no way I'm doing that. that it, it's abs- like when you step out of the recovery world and you look back in, you go, that's insane. Yeah, yeah. And so then what I do is I take this list that they just explained and I watch people light up, right? They're, they're telling the list and they're, they're reliving happiness. Maybe yes. that they haven't thought about in yeah. a decade, right? And then I go, okay, now you just listed off da 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 Let me ask you something. Tell me about the last month of getting high. And then they describe that. I say, okay, now tell me you got a tickle in the body, you were buzzed up, and uh, did you, you know, how was it in the hotel when you were holed up for six days? Was it, was it a lot of fun? Was it exciting? Was it as exciting as what you just described? Yep. Right? And they go, no, not really. And they're not quite getting it yet because they're so hooked into the recovery ideal that drugs are the end-all be-all. Yep. And they've built this, this sitting around binging as the most amazing thing in the world with with it all with all its you know fantasy and all this shit as you're sitting there getting blitzed and but then it, all of a sudden i think it comes into focus for people well i know it does because i watch it happen all the time it gets into focus and they go geez you know I, now compared to everything that i just described to you getting high is pretty pathetic yeah it's really boring um my health is at stake. I'm just not. And I say, wait a minute. I don't want to get into the consequences. Just tell me about the benefits of getting high. The benefits of getting high compared to the benefits of your entire life and who you are as a person. All this complex stuff that you just talked about because you are not just a drug addict. You are this person from your first memories all the way to the present. And mind you, let's say five of those items were while you were binging. You mentioned going on vacation with your wife. You mentioned wakeboarding in Hawaii. You mentioned that you learned to surf, but you were still getting high at the time, but you still did this. And and it made the list. So even through getting blitzed, yeah. you know, and and they go, oh my God. And I say, so what the hell is stopping you from just letting go of the drugs and moving on? 
Right. And that is usually the first time where they go, oh my God, I can. I really can. And of course they can because they, they, they didn't start out with a vodka bottle in their mouth. Right. Nobody does. Nobody does. Right? So, so we're told all these lies. We're told that the greatest lie is that drugs are, are the only thing that you will like for the rest of your life. And that is an absolute lie. And if you want to look at really what makes you happy, sit down, make a list of everything that's made you happy in your life. Everything. I wrote about when I was eight years old and I saved up $102. My brother saved up 106 I still remember the numbers. I was eight years old. He, was, he had just turned 11. And we bought a Montgomery Ward catalog go-kart. <laughs> and it had an eagle on this plastic piece on the front. It was the coolest thing in the neighborhood. And I remember I saved money and I got a bank account when I was six years old. My father helped me get a bank account. I rode my bike and I put my pennies in that bank account. And everybody thought I was cute at the bank, you know. <laughs> and that that made me industrious. I remember, yeah. you know, I was industrious. I started to figure out how to make a living. Um, and I had a go-kart because I saved my money. So these are things. Now... That may seem in, insignificant, but I'll tell you what, coming off a six-month bender where my life is in the can and I feel totally empty, when I did my list with Jerry and I mentioned that, that made me inspired to become industrious again. Because I was like, yeah. if I could do that when I was eight, right, right, and I feel like right now I'm whale shit and I can't get out of my own way, that's untrue. That's an untruth I'm telling myself because I've done all these things before. And then my life took off. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I often wonder, see, see, even the alternative, like alternative non-12-step movement where they're moving, the direction they're moving in is, is to say that, oh, now there's all these causes of addiction, right? There's, there's, you've got to, you've got to deal with your trauma. You've got to do all of that stuff. And so you're focusing only on the negatives. You're focusing on things that happened to you when you were a kid. So, you know, that that are shaping your life today, right? You're focusing yeah. on um, on the stuff that you learned that was crappy, on the crappy parts of your life. And that takes its toll. Yeah, it does. When, when all you're doing and you're going to therapy and you're, you're rehashing this stuff over and over and over again, it does not make you feel better. No, it doesn't. And it really is okay to let it go. Yeah. And the only way that I have found in doing in life in 50 years is just to look forward and, and say to yourself, you know what? I want something better. Yeah. But you have to believe that you're capable of having better. So look back. Yes. And find a baseline where you know that you have felt good. I don't give a shit if it's three things in your life and, and you're 65 years old and there was three, only three good things in your life. I don't believe that. But, I don't believe but, that either. But let's say that you're a cynic and, and that's all you can find. It proves that you can do it. You can do it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's the other part of it. I mean, when I can remember being in AA and they were like, don't, don't. Don't talk about your good qualities. You only, we're only talking about you know the bad stuff. Yeah, and, and it's like if you don't know what you're good at, if you don't, I mean, true humility is knowing what you're good at and what you're not good at, right? Yeah, it's accurately portraying who you are. Yes. Yeah, so, so if you don't know what you're good at and you don't know what you like, it's I personally think it's impossible to move forward and figure out how to be happy. 
That's right. That's right. It is. There is only one way to move on from addiction, and that is to move on. Yeah. <laughs> to say that. Oh, I used to do that. That's. I don't do that anymore. It doesn't. I. I don't want to do it anymore. I'm. I'm moving on with my life. But here's the issue. The. The. The challenge for people is if they don't explore what actually made them happy as a as a baseline. If they can't, then then it becomes very hard for them to believe that the future can be better. Right. So if you don't believe that the future can be better, it won't be. I mean, you have to have a, a, a reason to believe, and a reason to believe that you're not broken, a right. reason to believe that you're not diseased. That's what the freedom model does, right? We, we hammer that and all the other podcasts and all the materials that we provide people and all the programs we offer. You can get rid of all the disease nonsense, but in the end, it comes down to one thing, and it's very simple, and that is your mind works on a basis of comparison. Mm-hmm. So if you can't compare the benefits of moving on and moving forward compared to the benefits of drugs and having the f- future, the f- moving forward be better, you're not going to move on. You're going to continue to like drugs. So your mind is working on a basis of comparison. Now we have this technique in Life Movements, which will be added into the second edition of the book. Um, but it's also what we teach at the retreats as, as a portion. And it's also what we teach in the private in, instruction program. If, if, if you want a short track moving on, you want to get it going, you want to kick it into high gear, then, then talk to us, call us, and, and we'll show you how to do this. You know, I can teach it to you and you can move forward. You can move on with your life. In three days, I can show you how to move on from an addiction. It's not hard. In three days, I can show you. Now, some of you are so bought into the disease model that I may get into life moves and then realize, oh, they believe that drugs have powers. They still believe in the disease concept. They still believe in loss of control. If that's the case, you're going to need more time. But if you got that out of the way, if you've read the freedom model and you get it, but you can't seem to move forward, I can show you how. Yeah, I, I want, we talked about this at lunch. It, here's the thing about the disease model. We get a lot of people that say they agree with us because you posted oh, yeah. that thing. Yeah. Hey, well, I agree with you, it's not a disease. But then what the stickler, if you believe that there's a class of people that lose control then you believe there's a disease. That's right, because that is what a disease is. It is it is a force beyond your will. It's involuntary. And and look at I'm we're not saying when we when Bart posts his thing, his memes and stuff that, that say, you know, anyone can moderate, we're not saying you should. It's not the right. same same thing as saying you should. If you are happy abstinent, be happy abstinent. But if you're abstinent because you're fearful that you're one of those people that can't moderate, then you still believe in the disease. Yeah, then then you need then you need to read the freedom model in its totality. Yes. Um, so that you can wrestle that mythology and put it to rest. Then you can easily move on, and then we can get on with life movements and and get you moving forward. But as long as you're haunted by the loss of control myth, as yeah. long as you're haunted by this idea that there are people that can't moderate their drinking. Um, and, you know, there's a big difference between can't moderate and don't want to. Yeah. Um, and, but if you believe there are people, there is a select group of people called addicts or that can't moderate, then you need the freedom model in its totality. And that's a much bigger uh, fish to fry. So that's where we would start with you. Yeah. And, and here's the thing. When we say don't want to moderate, 
we're not saying that people don't want to minimize their consequences. Right. Everybody, everybody wants to minimize their consequences. In life. We're saying that you don't see value in having just one or two drinks. Yeah, you still have an appetite for heavy use. Exactly. You still, you're, the purpose of drinking or using a drug is for the high. Yeah. That, that's it. Yeah. That's it. So, so to just to clarify, because I see so many people that write, yeah, I tried that over and over again, and I came to the conclusion that I just can't moderate. No. You don't want to. You don't want to. You, you still, don't want to. You, you want to drink to get drunk. You want to, you know, use drugs to be high. I mean, that's, that's the way that works. So here's the deal. To summarize, there's, there's really two pieces for the heavy user who is bought into the recovery model there's two pieces to get over, to move on from an addiction. The first piece is you're going to need the freedom model to undo the mythology that's got you trapped. That's put, yes. that's put you in the cage of recovery. Okay? Um, and there's 469 pages of information that will undo every piece of that cage. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that once you've dismantled the cage that you're going anywhere. Right. You right. can simply sit you can around. You like hanging out right at that cage door. Doors open. You're just kind of hanging out right there. You don't yep. really know where to go or what to do. So to move on takes the, the three-step process of the um, of life movements. It's a technique that, that will allow you to discover who you are, what you actually like, and uh, provide a path, a plan out. Um, and it's very organic. It's very easy um, because moving forward with a positive motivation is actually quite invigorating. And when people are invigorated, when they're motivated by happiness, they move in that direction quite seamlessly. Um, yeah. So uh, I hope that um, you give a, give a shot at moving on and getting over the recovery nonsense, the trap. Get out of the trap. Leave your cage of recovery. And uh, I hope you move on. Can we talk just before we close, because we're, we're at about 26 minutes. Um, I want to talk about what you you talk about swinging the bat. Yeah. When, when you're moving on um, from, you know, moving on with your life and you're leaving the heavy use behind you um, and you're just going out and you really don't know what you like. Maybe you don't. I... I didn't. I yep. I knew what I liked before, but I didn't really know what I would like moving forward. I was young, yes. And um, and so what we always talk about is swinging the bat. And I had somebody ask me a question today in class about well, what if, what if what if I try something and I'm not good at it? Oh yeah. Okay. Yep. And my answer is, and I have to use my baseball analogies. Um, I was a, a softball player in high school, and um. I struggled because I, I, I would stand there and I'd freeze up and I wouldn't swing because I didn't want to strike out. Right. And so I had a really good coach. I think I was in like ninth grade. Really good coach that sat me down and said, you can't get ahead if you don't swing the bat. Yeah. And um, and he goes, and you can't be afraid to strike out because a really good hitter bats 300. They, they get a hit three out of ten times they're at bat, which means probably five times they strike out, maybe five or six times they strike right. out. Sometimes you pop fly, whatever, but you're going to strike out. That is that is the way life works. That is the way life works. You know. So here's here's an, an important little distinction in the swing the bat list that I have people build for themselves. That the, the criteria is really important when you're building the swing the bat list. 
I don't tell them to make these big elaborate goals that they're going to swing at. Right, right. Make them bite-sized, doable swings. Okay? So imagine that you're swinging the bat over and over and over Sometimes again. Sometimes you just want a base hit. That's right. And Sometimes you want a sack fly. You know what I mean? And you may not even get on base, but you, you move you move things forward. And and let's go back even further in the analogy to you're on a you have a pitching machine. Mm-hmm. Because when you first start, you're practicing. Yeah. You're practicing moving on in your life. You don't know how to do it because you've been in hell stew for thirty years. That's right. Right? right. So so we're not asking you to get in the game yet, all right? We're asking you to just try some things yeah. and, and allow for the possibility that trying is more exciting than sitting in a crack house shooting heroin in your arm yes. or smoking crack, okay? So is it possible that you could have more fun swinging the bat at life and trying things and even failing yeah. and finding out there's... Out of 10 things that you wrote down, there's eight or seven that you don't like. Right. But that there's three that really kind of made sense and you got excited about. And then there's one that you hit a home run. Yes. Now, when you hit the home run, it may take a little while, but it may only take a day. Yeah. You don't know. You don't know. You got to try. Yeah. But, but now you have a baseline mm-hmm. with this list from your past you have a baseline, you know what that baseline is, you have an idea, you have a direction. So this whole process is very, very, um, almost common sense. It's not, it's not difficult, it's not complicated. Um, we're trying to stuff the whole lesson and a whole bunch of concepts into you know thirty minutes here, but <laughs> yeah. but it's it's uh, yeah these 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 lessons happen over days yeah you know yeah. weeks so, in some cases weeks in some cases so. Um, so but this is a really you got a, a really great opportunity in this podcast because this is not stuff that is available to the public yeah um and any other way other than through this podcast at this point yeah um, it is stuff that we work on when people call us to do private instruction or uh, to come to the retreat. Yeah. And if you want to go through it in detail and you want uh, myself or Michelle to, to, to do life movements with you, maybe you're, maybe you're in, in recovery, right? Or maybe you, you have moved on from recovery and you're ready to move on in other areas of your life. We'd be happy to teach that to you as well. Mm-hmm. Very good. All right. I think we're, we're at 30 minutes, and I think that's probably long enough for the two of us. <laughs> so thank you so much for listening today. If you or someone you know is seeking help for a substance use problem or other habitual behavior problem, or you want to break free and move past recovery as well, you can reach us at 888-424-2626 or through our website at thefreedommodel.org soberforever.net sober forever provides detailed information about our residential retreat the St. Jude retreat and the freedommodel.org is our hub it has a lot of free resources and information including videos these podcasts free ebooks and information about our at-home private instruction program mouth is not working. Digital editions of our full program books, The Freedom Model for Addictions and The Freedom Model for the Family are available free to our podcast listeners. Enter coupon code FREEDOM100 at checkout to get either of our books for free. Paperback and Kindle versions are available for purchase on Amazon or one of the other online retailers. And if you have questions, remember you can always call us at 888-424-2626.
and you're somebody that needs to or wants to move on with their life from Suboxone and Methadone as well, um, you can go to Gallus Detox. That's G-A-L-L-U-S Detox.com. Gallus Detox.com. From everyone here at the Freedom Model, we wish you well. Until right. next time. Take care. Bye-bye.